Who loves bread? I know I do. But on a serious note, did you know 3,600 tons of food waste is sent to landfills every day? That is such a waste. Specifically, bakeries throw away 1,692 tons of bread every day. So why are we talking about bread? Well, what uses 78% barley to be produced? Beer, of course. On to another item that we all love to consume is beer. And today's female founder I'm speaking with is Anushka Perot. She decided to put these two items together and have a more sustainable approach on making the waste into needed ingredients for her beer company, Breer. So hi, Anushka, and thank you so much for joining me on the show. Please tell us more about yourself. Hi, Dani. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Anushka Parot, as you rightly said. I am currently in the Hong Kong University of Science and Technology studying engineering in my third year. I am a polyglot. <laughs> I like to speak languages and learn languages and currently speak five. I'm hoping I can increase that number soon. And I truly believe um, in working towards your passion and putting that before profit. So I think that, um, you know, working towards what you like to do will definitely bring you profit in due time, but the focus should always be on making a difference in the world. And I love eating and drinking like most people do. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So wait, tell us how many, what are the different languages you speak, uh, the five different languages and what's up next? What are you going to be learning next? Yeah, for sure. So at present, the list is English, Cantonese, Mandarin, Hindi, and French. And I'm hoping that I can get Spanish onto the list sometime soon. But yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Wow. And how, how long does it take you to learn a new language? Or are you one of those people that just get it? I think I used to be one of those people that just got it. Um, I learned a lot of these languages when I was a lot younger. Now I think my brain space has been crowded with way too many things. So I think it takes a little longer to learn, but I'm trying. <laughs> I've heard that. I feel like eventually your brain needs to give up a language to put a new one in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or give up something to put a new knowledge in, yeah. Exactly. So tell us, what's some of your favorite food and drinks that you mentioned? Oh, wow. That's probably the toughest question you could ask me because it's too difficult for me to choose. Um, I think drinks is probably easier, of course, beer, but also pina coladas. I'm a sucker for the two. And I think food, um, the list really is endless. I like something or the other from every different cuisine but right now I think because I said you know it's very gloomy out here I think a pizza would be perfect oh yeah I love a good pizza (laughs) awesome so tell us more about where you grew up uh, what you major in and some of your skills and passions yeah definitely so I grew up in Hong Kong actually I was born in India but I was here for I think two or three months after I was born and then I was flown to Hong Kong which was where my dad and my mom were living And I've been there since. I am Indian, though. And, um, yeah, I I never really got an opportunity to live anywhere else in Hong Kong, but I wouldn't change that for the world. I really, really love the city, and it is really my home. And I'm currently studying engineering, specifically electronic and computer engineering. So it's a mix of, you know, the hardware and software side of things. But I think, you know, my passions really uh, maneuver towards public speaking, community service, and really making a difference. That's amazing. So what are some of the community service you're currently involved in? Yeah, so I mean, one, to, for starters, is definitely Breer. I think, I'm, you know, this has become my main avenue to do community service. But I'm also very active 
involved in um, going to elderly centers or at least in going to elderly centers before the pandemic hit. Um, I think that, you know, it's a really nice time for two very opposite um, spectrums of people to speak to one another and gain from each other's experience. So a, f- a few friends and I would volunteer our time on weekends and head over to elderly centers with small little goodie bags, just spend a few hours with them, speak to them, you know, talk to them about how their day was and um, yeah, do community service in that form. So I think that was probably before the pandemic, my favorite way to do community service. Now it's just been, um, you know, organizing food drives for those who unfortunately don't have the resources that, you know, you and I have access to and supporting them in whatever way I can. That's amazing. So if anyone wants to get involved in your community service programs, how do they get in touch with you? Definitely. Um, at present, we actually have what we call the Breer Runner program. So we essentially have volunteers support us. So when we collect, you know, the bread that goes into our uh, beer or when we have, you know, way too much bread that's still fresh and, of course, goes through quality check and we want to redistribute that, um, we have volunteers that come with us to donate it. So they can simply, you know, um, get in touch by really connecting to Breer on our social media, pop us a message and we'll organize something. Amazing. That's so exciting. So tell us what started this idea for you. Where did the, where did the initial trigger come to to drive you into kickstarting Breer? Oh, so this flashbacks to about almost 10 or 11 months ago, so almost a year ago. And um, so myself and the three other co-founders were all students at HKUST. And so it started because um, we all actually finished exams and we decided, okay, you know, let's go celebrate. But if you're familiar with Hong Kong, you know that UST is kind of very, very far away. And because it is so far away, there's not a lot of, you know, stores or restaurants or celebration hotspots open um, late at night or even early evening, which is around like 9 p.m. And so we could really only celebrate by going to a bakery closest to our university. And that's what we did. So we head there to get ourselves some garlic bread and just to celebrate the fact that we were done with exams. But because it was closing time, we saw that a lot of the um, bread that wasn't sold on the day was still in the glass shelves. And there was a baker emptying those glass shelves and putting all the bread into a black rubbish bag. And that's kind of where all four of us together came, you know, face to face with this huge problem of food wastage in Hong Kong. And so we had this, you know, problem in the back of our mind and we knew that, okay, it's prevalent, you know, it happens every day, but we weren't really sure what we could do about it. And then, like I mentioned, because our exams ended, we, of course, had to celebrate properly. And so a few days later, we found ourselves in Lan Kwai Fong and we were sitting in a bar, um, again, discussing this exact problem, you know, going back to the fact that we saw it happen, but what could we possibly do? And that's when one of us is actually drinking um, beer. And so it just suddenly occurred to us that, hold on a second, beer has a lot of the same constituent elements that bread has. And, um, you know, we did some research on it. And of course, barley was kind of the obvious ding, 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 because we realized, okay, that's the largest constituent element and it definitely overlaps. And so we felt that there was potential for an idea here. Um, We could possibly our favorite beverage ourselves and it would be really cool. So that's where we got started. And then we proceeded to take part in a social innovation challenge called Enactus um, with this idea. And it just so happened that we ended up winning the, we won the Hong Kong round. And that gave us a little bit of funds to get started. So we put all that money into making our first batch of beer. And here we are now. 
That's an amazing story. That's so exciting. Um, and so random how you discovered <laughs> bread waste as well. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I guess we all know it in the back of our minds, but unless you see it, you're mm -hmm. not really brought face to face with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. So how do you go about collecting the bread? Like who are your partners? Tell us a bit more about the process. Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, like I mentioned earlier, we really – Uh, you know, are focused on this beer runner program. So we're very big as students on involving really anyone in the Hong Kong community to make a difference. And there's not a lot of um, opportunities for people to take part in, you know, different donation drives and, and such without giving up too much of their time, which ends up becoming a lot of a deterrent for most people. So we wanted to create this program that, you know, people like you and I, uh, volunteers, students, young professionals, whoever they are, if they have a little bit of time to spare, they can get involved into you know um, an ecosystem and help Hong Kong and so this brew runner program essentially is about creating um, this ecosystem where like I said people like you and I volunteer their time and do different tasks to support beer so for example um, they can go to the different bakeries after closing times that we have partnered with representing beer to collect the bread and then drop it off at either a brewery if um, you know that bread is going directly into a brew or our storage facility in UST Or, you know, on the other hand, we have options where people can volunteer their time and they come and support us when we donate this bread to the different beneficiaries and they can be a part of the donation drive. So we have these different, you know, activities going on. And this is really how we're able to um, collect and deliver the bread on time. And then, of course, um, for the brewing process, we have different um, breweries around Hong Kong that support us. We undergo a contract brewing model with them. And so we have the recipe. We've curated it. Uh, we give them that recipe, of course, in exchange for the due diligence and the NDAs and whatnot. And they help us brew the beer, after which, you know, we're free to distribute um, the, be the beer however we like. That's amazing. So I know you have your online shop. Where else can one buy your beer? Is it um, which bars is it in or which stores do you have it in? Yeah, so at present, we're actually looking to expand that list, um, you know, very, very soon. We have a few stores that we've discussed um, housing our beer at. But at present, you can buy the beer at a zero waste um, sustainability store in Admiralty called Edgar. So we're definitely stocked over there. We actually just sold out from Gokul, but we're also looking to house, you know, this product at many different outlets around Hong Kong. Hopefully um, Jardine Restaurant Group's KFC and Pizza Hut sometime in summer and in hopefully even Maxim's Bakeries all around Hong Kong. Oh, that's amazing. That's super exciting. Um, and tell me, where do you see the future of Breer going? Where do you imagine it will be in the next two to five years? So I think, um, you know, when I talk about the vision of Breer, it makes sense to even give some context on exactly how we've structured this entire project, if I can call it that, more so business. So we've definitely started off with just Breer, which is our bread beer line given by, you know, the amalgamation in the name. But we also recently, while experimenting with the bread beer recipes, expanded into another vertical called Base. So base is actually um, our pizza beer vertical, so our pizza crust beer vertical. And this is actually the world's first pizza crust beer. 
So essentially now we have two kind of sister companies, Beer and Base, both um, specializing currently in beer, but made of, you know, different raw materials respectively. And they both come under what we lovingly call the Able Company as their parent company. And so I think the vision for me, you know, in the two to five years to come is really for the Able Company to grow as, um, you know, a behemoth in this industry and making what was otherwise waste turn into something that's really profitable. So right now, of course, you know, that's using bread and or pizza crust to turn it into beer. But perhaps later we're looking at taking even spoiled milk and using that to make merchandise. We're looking at collecting the coffee grounds, fruit peels, you know, otherwise other uh, very highly wasted materials and turning them into beer or even seltzers maybe. So as a team, we have a lot of innovation in our mind and we're really here not to, you know, make a lot of money from one particular initiative but more so reintroduce what all of us are throwing away on a daily basis into the supply chain and re-monetize it. I think that's such an amazing idea and I very much look forward to seeing how the coffee and the pizza crust beers <laughs> taste. There's going to be very unique flavors. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you mentioned earlier you were involved in, um, what did you say, the Enactus program mm -hmm. where you were able to get some funding. Can you run us through that program a bit? I've particularly never heard of it. Um, is it just for students here in Hong Kong? Um, how did you guys hear about it and, and how did they help you kickstart your business? Yeah, definitely. So Enactus is actually um, a global kind of initiative as well. It's a social innovation challenge that takes place in many different parts of the world. And um, it essentially is very similar to HALT, if you're familiar with HALT. But it's basically, you know, you have these different rounds. So you start off with your university round. And then if you win that, you go on to represent your city. If you win the city, you go on to the country and so on and so forth. So it's a very, very, you know, enriching experience. And to be frank, something that was a dream for me to take part in when I came into college and so when we started you know the way kind of this team came together is also very um gives uh heed to the fact that the four of us are very similar in that way so Devanch and I actually were always discussing that you know we want to take part in an actress at some point in our life we want to do some idea and so we went to the briefing session together and that's where we bumped into Naman, who is another member of our team, who was there, you know, on his own, also looking to take part in Actus. And because we were friends, it just made sense for the three of us to be like, oh, perfect. We didn't know you want to do it. You know, let's do it together. And then, you know, on the sidelines, Siyash and I would always discuss, you know, potentially starting a business together and doing something fun. Because like I mentioned, I'm an engineering student. Um, all three of them are actually business students. So there was very, very little, if not, um, you know, an opportunity to really take classes together or spend time together in an academic environment. And we really wanted that. So I told Siyash, you know, um, the three of us are thinking of doing an actus. Would you like to join us? And he was like, yeah, I would love to. And so that's how the, the four of us became a team before we even had kind of, you know, um, a solution to whatever problem it was we wanted to solve. And that's kind of the culture of what an actus is. It's about, you know, teams creating themselves coming together it's like-minded individuals who want to you know pursue a similar mission coming together to work on that mission and then you know hopefully making it to the finals and then meeting a lot of people from different parts of the world that's so amazing that's great that you were able to pull your team together there randomly and, and be <laughs> able to <laughs> develop what you did so far it's so amazing and you're so young how old are you now I'm actually 21. <laughs> I turned 21, 21? in February. Yeah. In February. Okay. Yeah. So what did you do for your birthday? 
Oh, it was very nice. So unfortunately, it was still, you know, the onset of the pandemic. So um, there wasn't much I could do, but I got a nice surprise birthday party at home. Um, I went for a nice lunch with my family and it was just a day filled with surprises. So it was very memorable. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's so great. So tell us, obviously, starting your own business can sometimes be super stressful. It can be really difficult. There's some low and high moments um, with uh, the team or with different things you personally struggle with. What were some of the low moments that you faced while starting your business? Definitely. Um, I think on more of, you know, an experience that I went through myself, I think striking the balance between you know, having a personal relationship and a professional relationship with my teammates is something that I was really able to learn. So like I mentioned, you know, the four of us, we're really, really good friends. And we're always going to be friends before colleagues. It's something we have very clear amongst ourselves. But it's bound to happen that, you know, when you are in a professional environment, sometimes you do step over the line of, you know, personal relationships where if two people don't agree, then does that translate directly into your personal relationship as well? Or if, you know, there's something that goes wrong in the business, does that translate into your personal equation with the purpose? Uh, I'm sorry, with the person. And I thought that, you know, this would be something very difficult for me to manage because I've always been someone who likes to keep the two very separate. If I'm, you know, on really good terms with you personally, I would prefer that professionally our paths don't cross as often just so that the paths don't meddle. But in this situation, that couldn't happen because I was, of course, doing, um, you know, my favorite project with some of my favorite people. And so, you know, there were a lot of moments where I would have to have hard conversations with these people, even though I would really would rather not. There would be moments where, you know, I would disagree with someone who I'm probably closest to on a personal level. And so I think for me, it was really fleshing those moments out and understanding and even for them, really understanding that wherever we come from um, within this project of Greer, it's from a space of wanting to see it succeed. And it really isn't about, you know, taking personal digs at each other or taking, you know, things that we know personally about each other out of context and applying it into a professional environment. It really is about supporting one another and growing this business together. And that's probably the most important thing. You know, the four of us always are looking to uh, looking to complement each other and what we do well, but also give each other constructive criticism if there is space for it. And then the four of us don't take it as, okay, this person was really rude to me. They should have said that. It's more about, okay, something I can improve on. How can and let me get started. So I think, you know, the four of us have this very healthy relationship now, much healthier than it was even when we were just friends, where we really understand each other. You know, if someone has exams, any one of the three of us will be more than happy to take up for them and vice versa. I know that, you know, if tomorrow I have a commitment, I can't do something, any one of these three members will definitely, you know, um, kind of shout out and be like, I will take it. I'll help you out. Don't worry about it. And I think that kind of relationship is something that came from the tough and real moments where I had to be stern or they had to be stern. And we had to say things that perhaps we weren't most comfortable saying. But that has brought us into a position now where we can take it with a grain of salt and really understand the bigger reason why it's being said. That's amazing. And I think that is definitely one of the hardest things to overcome because you always hear about so many businesses where partners end up having a falling out or something. Yeah. So I think it's so important you have a healthy relationship and you guys are able to manage the personal versus the, the professional relationship. Yeah. Cool. So what are some of the other lessons you learned along the way that you wish you knew from the beginning when you started? 
<laughs> for starters, I wish I knew where it would go because that would give me a lot of indication on how to approach it. Um, but I think really for me, the largest lesson I learned was this whole transition from being just a project to a business. And because we're students, it's a lot easier to just kind of disregard the extent to which something you start as an idea can go to because you tend to think, okay, you know, I'm young. This is just the first thing. Like there's a lot to learn. But I think, um, and I speak on behalf of the four of us, but I definitely feel that this transition from, you know, starting off as just a student project, only some people in UST knowing about us to now becoming a proper business where we've actually made sales. We actually sell beer. And, you know, it's more kind of a, like on a daily basis, we like to say we're more full-time entrepreneurs than part-time students now. And I think it's, you know, being adaptive to that change and being open-minded to accept it is probably the biggest learning that I um, would, you know, would want to tell myself before we started. Because the moment I started embracing the fact that I shouldn't hold on to my role as a student or, you know, I shouldn't let the fact that I'm younger or anything of that sort keep me down, really allowed me to open up and create a lot more interpersonal relationships with different industry professionals. So if I approached, you know, speaking to someone, let's say a JRG, um, thinking that, okay, I'm just a mere student at HKUST with an idea and they are, you know, uh, a corporate behemoth. They have access to whatever network they want. They have an entire corporation behind them. Then perhaps the type of conversations or the comfort of conversations that I would have would be very minimized versus when I accepted that, yes, I am a student, but at the same time, this is a project that, you know, I am one of the co-founders of that I have started and you know it is my idea it gives you a lot more confidence and it makes you a lot more comfortable in making negotiations and striking conversations and asking difficult questions and so I think it really was for me to just be open-minded to change and just be okay with the fact that you know there might not be someone before me who has done something like this but that's perfectly fine I can be the first one to do it Exactly. I think it's all in the attitude for sure. And you shouldn't let your age or, you know, that you're a student still at all influence where you're taking this because it's such a great initiative. And I think it's so amazing. When I first read about it, I was like, how has no one else thought of this before? (laughs) (laughs) So no, that's amazing. Um, Very, very great story. Um, So, okay, let's talk about more about the sustainability and the benefits that you aim to achieve through Breer. And where do you hope it will all go? Um, You did mention a bit about that before, but what are you mostly strongly advocating for? Yeah, I think um, the obvious answer would definitely be reducing food wastage, if not eliminating it, especially in Hong Kong. Um, You know, there is this huge culture of all of us consuming bread on a daily basis. And of course, it's yummy. But at the same time, there's so much waste. For example, the small decision that, you know, we as humans make to not want to eat the last slice of the bread loaf versus, um, you know, the nice meaty part in the middle, that itself contributes to a lot of waste because that's two slices per loaf of bread that go into the trash. And then, you know, you can only imagine how many loaves of bread are consumed on a daily basis and so on and so forth. So I think definitely for us, it would be to um, reduce the amount of food wastage, specifically bread wastage in Hong Kong by, you know, reintroducing it into a new life and um, consuming it in other forms. And at Greer, you know, we really like this phrase that we came up with, which is waste is not waste until you waste it. And it's a lot of food for thought, pun intended, (laughs) but it really gives you an indication on, 
you know, something is only lifeless and absolutely worthless and needs to be sent to the landfill when you decide that's what it is. Like right now, the end cuts of the, the loaf of bread is really good to consume. And for someone who possibly doesn't have an alternate food item to eat, that would be more than enough. But because we are privileged enough to be able to choose and because we have a choice, we end up making a decision that, you know, might cost us our earth. And so I think it really is about, you know, changing the mindset of people, introducing to them that sustainable drinking is possible and sustainable purchasing is definitely also possible. Unfortunately, right now, there are very limited products that can give you that option that, you know, allow you to make a positive difference to the world while consuming them. But we want to be the company that does that. We want to give everybody that option to make a positive difference if they want to and, you know, make it super easy for them to be able to. And another really interesting, you know, thing that we came across while doing Breer was that the word landfill has the word fill in it, but then that really doesn't mean we should go ahead and do that. You know, it's all about preserving that space and really um, creating a sustainable difference. And I think that that's what I'm most advocating for. Yeah, that's so true. I think um, I wish they were like, bigger or more options at least for people to support businesses that are being sustainable but as you say there's not that many companies being completely sustainable they're still in the yeah. process of developing and, and moving into that way yeah and and sometimes it's really hard to know well like, who do I support who is doing the right thing who <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah. yeah hopefully we'll have a long list in the future of sustainable businesses we can support Definitely. And hopefully Able Company is one of them. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned previously, you are obviously from Indian descent, but you grew up in Hong Kong and you speak so many different languages. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about your personal story as an expat traveler and seeker of new things. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's a very apt question. Um, I'm speaking to you right now as I sit in the Maldives. So I have a very beautiful view <laughs> to look at and obviously a very, um, you know, thankful uh appreciation for the life that I live but I really do believe in you know exploring different cultures through immersing myself in them and I think that's part of why I enjoy learning languages so much and I like them so much because I feel that languages is kind of a window that you can look out into and, and have a glimpse of a culture without even you know necessarily being a part of it so for example I can speak French I've never been to France but I have you know friends who are French I, and because I can speak the language I automatically feel a little closer to the culture I've studied it and you know I know enough about it that when I do hopefully go to France I'll feel very much at home I'll feel you know, very comfortable in my element, and I'll be able to communicate with people. So I think that um, that's probably my story as, you know, a traveler and seeker of new things. I like to travel the world through languages. And um, I think that languages is one step closer to becoming a world traveler, which is what I hope to do. Amazing. So tell me, if you could travel anywhere and it was not COVID and there were no restrictions, what would be your top three countries you'd go visit next? Ooh, amazing question. I think now that Maldives is ticked off my list, it would definitely be France for starters. Uh, the other one would be Switzerland and the last one would be Greece. Mm -hmm. Ooh, okay. Very good choices. I'd like to get to all of those as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So how long did it take you from your initial idea to building your dream and making a success to selling your first beer? 
Um, so we've been working on this for 10 months now. And, you know, we definitely do learn something new every single day. When it was an idea, to be very honest with you, it's all such a blur to me because everything happened so quickly. I just remember you know, the highs and the lows. But what happened in the beginning is really surreal, even for me now. I remember very clearly that we had this idea. We won an actus. And I remember just before we walked into the final pitch, I told the team that if we win this today, the funds we get from this are going directly into making our first batch of beer. And um, before that, we'd done a lot of homebrew. So all of us were very excited for, you know, professionals to finally be handling our beer and to get a beer that we know would taste good. And so um, I kind of took it as a sign when we won in Actus that because I had said that we absolutely had to do it, we put the you know funds in we took our recipe took it to a brewery and in three weeks I remember very clearly we had our first bottle of beer and it was just a very surreal moment seeing a pro a product that is you know entirely your creation in our hands and when we tried it it just it felt different to try a product that was your idea and your creation and so I think it took about two months for us from the day of Enactus to when we got our first bottle of beer but we've been at it since. That's amazing. That's such a quick turnover. I've often spoken to some entrepreneurs that take about two to three years, but I know everyone's <laughs> on their own pace and on, you know, their own timeline. And a lot of those people are working and starting a business. So mm -hmm. I think it depends on, on how you're going about it. But that's amazing. That's really fast. <laughs> um, so yeah, so tell us what does success mean to you? And where do you see Breer going in the future? I always say that, um, you know, being successful to me means being mad, where mad stands for making a difference. <laughs> but in my case, I think it's more specifically making a positive difference in the world. Um, I want Breer to become an enterprise that has many loyal change makers. And like we discussed earlier, giving, you know, people like you and I an option to make a sustainable decision if that's what one wants to do, as opposed to the status quo now where, you know, if you want to consume beer, sure, you can, but there isn't an option that will let you drink your favorite beverage and let you make a difference in the world positively. And so we want to be um, kind of the pioneers and the first to do that. And I think for me, success really means coming up with ideas, going crazy about them, putting them to work. And if they do really well, amazing. If they don't do really well, then you learn from that experience and you go again. So I think it's definitely, um, you know, a trial and error kind of procedure for me for success. But I look forward to seeing you know, what happens with Breer very soon. And I hope that it does become the behemoth that I envision it to be. Oh, I'm sure it will. I think all it ever takes is someone to just really stick to their dreams and keep building it. Um, and, and you sound like you have that passion. So <laughs> I'm very sure you'll reach your vision. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. So anything, any other tips for the female entrepreneurs out there before we wrap off? Like you said, I think um, have the passion, go mad and do it. You know, there's nothing else to it. You just have to start and see how it goes. True. <laughs> Perfect. And do you have any questions for me before we wrap up? Yes, actually, I do. Um, I would love to know from you what you define as successful digital marketing. Sure. So I think successful digital marketing or marketing in itself is if you're so clear with your vision and what you truly believe in, that the brand persona you put out there on digital marketing or marketing itself makes people want to buy what you do because you've made your persona and who you are so clear that mm -hmm. people want to get involved because they see the good you're doing. 
Um, cause I think a, a lot of, a lot of people like have the passion and the idea in their minds, but when you go look on their social media or their website, you're like, wait, but what is this? Like, I don't understand the story or there's just not enough mm-hmm. information because it's normally whenever yeah. it's in your head, it's really hard for us. And we imagine everyone out there just sees what's in our mind, but that's not always the yeah. case. Yeah, definitely. so it's being able to communicate clearly, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, on that note, do you have any tips for Breer on how we should go about digital marketing? And if you've seen you know, any of our pages, any feedback you might have for us? Yeah, so I actually did go look at your Instagram, Facebook and your website. And I think you guys are doing such a great job at the moment. But I must say, after speaking to you tonight and hearing all the amazing things you do, I do wish that you guys either had like a blog or um, Instagram, like TV, IGTV Mm -hmm. or something where I was able to know more and see more about these amazing things you're doing and seeing more of the backstory, um, especially that you're doing so much community service, especially that you guys like go pick up all this bread and just understanding the true passion after Mm -hmm. speaking with you. Um, I think it'd be really great to see more of that, um, you know, put out there so that everyone else knows what you've just told me and that it's just more visible. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm definitely going to relay that to the team and we're going to start working on it very soon. Thanks, Anushka, for sharing your startup story. It was so inspiring to hear how you and your teammates became business partners and how you're managing that relationship so effectively. I hope you were all as inspired as I was by Anushka's startup story. Please go follow them on Instagram and check out their website to find out more about the amazing work that they're doing here in Hong Kong. Also, please subscribe to our channel and follow us on Instagram and Facebook so you can get more inspired um, with the following startup stories coming up next week.